And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. Today's guest is Xiao Ma. Xiao is a Chinese UFO and consciousness researcher. She has extensive contact experiences with non-human intelligence through various paranormal contact modalities. Xiao, thank you so much for giving us some time today and welcome. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Thank you. This is going to be interesting because you're the first person I've ever spoke about dealing you know, with UFOs in China. Yeah, there's not really much information from China, mainly because we have internet firewall between China and the rest of the world. So the WhatsApp, Google, Facebook, all those are formally banned in China. So there's not much information going around between China and the rest of the world. But thanks for having me. Does China have one big UFO event, kind of like the Roswell event here in the U.S.? Yes, you're right, Jeff. We've got a, quite a few uh, famous ufology cases in China, uh, UFO contact, like the what's that called the Hangzhou Airport um, incident, where you know so many people, so many passengers in a Chinese airport witnessed a UFO craft just hovering outside of this you you know at the airport. As a result, that airport have to be shut down in order to you know deal with the situation so that was a quite big case if i recall correctly back in 2010-ish and we also got a famous ufo case where there's a chinese farmer had uh, a physical contact with alien race um, we do have quite a few uh, cases which i'm happy to dive into deeper later on do you think that the chinese government has possibly recovered crashed alien ufos my worry is absolutely yes um i just heard from various people that they are reverse engineering those crafts in order for you know uh weaponize i don't know what is maybe not weaponize or whatever use that you know energy or technology for their own use like military use or other usage but from what we can see at least at this stage in china those technologies are not really fully implemented in the civilian level, which means we like we don't get to use it, but only for the government. In general, how do the Chinese people react to UFO experiences? It's very uh, the reaction got quite a few layers, Jeff. Like from the broader scope, we're talking about one point four billion Chinese right now in China, and uh, more than half of them are living in. Uh, you know, as a farmer or in the remote areas. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's hard to sort of summarize into quite a few words. I think mainly for the mass population, people still don't believe it from the broader scope. People think it's not real, can't be true. But if you narrow down to the younger generation, like my age, or towards like Chinese UFO community, which is very large, um, a lot of people in the community or people in the spiritual communities, they tend to believe this is real. So from the broader scope, not really. But if you focus on ufology, spirituality, anyone try to be more or less spiritual person, they will encounter those supernatural experiences. And then they tend to believe this is real. So we're talking about... Uh, a communities, a range of communities, uh, maybe around 
10% or maybe 15% population in China that truly believe in these kind of things. Now, you mentioned spiritual experiences. How is it in China now? I mean, with communism, is there no religion at all? Or do the people still have some amount of religion? Or are people spiritual? Or are they atheist? That's it's a good question because according to the Chinese constitution, just like in U.S. and other country, they say in the constitution, everybody have a freedom of religion. But in truth, it's quite opposite because、um, back in early nineties, that's where China was practicing qigong. You may heard about qigong. It's like very similar to Reiki beach things. You know, you use your energy on the hand, and you can do supernatural things. So people really practicing that, but then the government thinks, "Oh, hang on a second, those things are contradicting with communism belief system. The communist ideology is only believing three dimensional world, like everything's tangible, material. So if you look into communism belief system, they they are very pure, materialistic people." So, if you want to challenge them with anything like gods, spirituality, or qigong or reiki, you try to sort of they feel that as a threat. So that's why at this stage in China,、uh, officially they will say, "Yeah, you can practice it," but in reality, they really suppress alternative science in China at this stage. I would think that the, the people have some view of spirituality because if you watch the movies, at least from Hong Kong movies, there's a lot of like supernatural stuff going on in these Hong Kong karate movies where people are flying around and doing more supernatural stuff. Yeah. So sorry, I need to elaborate more. I beg your pardon. It's a good question. I mean, the issue is these the the broader scope according to the constitution. Yes, you can do whatever you like. But in reality, they don't really allow people to expand in this field, like、mm-hmm. you know the quantum modalities, which Ray Hernandez mentioned,、uh, UFOs, spirituality, Ricky stuff. But having said that, there are a lot of people like me in China do practice, you know, Ricky things like that. But the issue is, they want you suppressed to the minimum level. That means. You may have a Reiki class, for example, for five people, but they normally have to go to the local police station to get a written consent. Because in China, if you have a group of more than certain people, could be a, a Bible study group or could be a, a you know a book sort of association, you need to get written approval. So my point is this: they make it very difficult for people to practice. Or you know different quantum modalities, not like in US or in other like Canadian country, like those countries where people just say, "Hey, let's have this group," you know, "Let's open up,、uh, let's catch up for sky watching."、Mm-hmm. You in theory you could in China, but they make it very difficult for you to do. So because of that,、uh, the expansion of alternative science field in China is very much very controlled to the bare minimum. But a lot of people do believe in it, but they just lack of information, lack of support. That's what I found in China. People are very conscious, like they they have a desire, really want to learn. Oh, this happened to Michelle. I want to know more. What's going on? But there's not much materials or you know human support available for them to figure out the puzzle. What's going on in their life? Because 
of the official suppression at this stage in China. So I guess, I don't know if it's within the Chinese constitution, but I guess people are not allowed to gather in groups over a certain number of people publicly. Like if the police happen to see 20 people all hanging out together at the park, maybe doing something, they're going to come up and say, hey, what's going on? Yeah, uh, what's funny about that is, uh, you know, we had two UFO conferences in China by the end of 2018, which is very successful. And um, we were just checking because quite a few organizers got involved. We say, hey, look, it's going to be a large event. Uh, We need to get a local police authority approval. But each district in China, when you go, uh, they say, oh, yeah, in order to get approval, you need to... Uh, the number have to be beyond 50 people, 100 people. So every little district, even the local police station, mm. they have different rules. Some police station maybe say, oh, it's all right. It's just 500 people. You don't need mm. to get approval. But some police station say, no, you have to because it's more than 50 people. So that make our job, Jeff, it was tremendously, tremendously difficult to you know, we had that two conferences. Finally, it's successful, but it's extremely difficult to have those events in China. Well, with all the firewalls and stuff, how does the average Chinese person get any spiritual or UFO information? Thank you. Just for your, uh, you probably know a bit more, but your viewer probably don't know because in China, um, people can't use Google, no Facebook, no WhatsApp. Um, basically all the like no YouTube, which is really bad. Um, don't have all those major websites. And the, you know, when I say, you know, people say, Xiao, you've been interviewed so many times, but I can't find any of your information on YouTube. And I said to them, because I was interviewed in China quite a lot. I was in China, very famous, but because of this firewall, you don't get information about me, what's going on in China. And that's to show you how strong is this firewall. So how people got those information is people like me who may speak some, you know, English. And then they watch, you know, Jeff, your podcast. They may like your interviews. Oh, my God, I love this one. And then they just ask for consent. Can they actually move it to the China? So they put Chinese subtitle underneath of each um, interview. And then, you know, you can convert it uploaded into the Chinese platforms so that the local Chinese can read it, view it. That's typically how they do it. So there are quite a few difficulties about this job. That's why there's a lack of information in China. First, people need to get, it's called a VPN. It's like a software, allow people in China to jump the firewall. Otherwise they can't get on your show, you know. Second thing, it's very difficult. The second thing, that Chinese, must have a good English. Otherwise, they can't understand the whole process, you know, written or, you know, communication. And thirdly, which is the most difficult part, they need to translate each sentence word by word and insert it as a subtitle. People probably doesn't know that's a lot of work just for one hour interview, inserting those words, translated, inserted, post-production can take a long time. And they have to get a permission from the host of the channel due to IP purpose, you know. And they migrate to China. And very likely, even that's the case, if the information is sensitive, 
they cannot upload because in Chinese, like China have equivalent YouTube platform. Mm. We don't have Facebook. We have very equivalent things in China too. Um, strictly controlled by the official guys. So they will review the content. Then they decided whether or not you can upload or not. So with all those obstacles you have to overcome, eventually you can upload one. So that's why I'm saying to the viewer. In China, yes, there are information, but very limited. What is the name of the of the platform in China that's similar to YouTube? We got quite a few. One is called uh, Bilibili. That's Bilibili. just how they pronounce. Yeah, I've Bilibili. Heard of that one. It's uh, they got a quite a few uh, larger platform like YouTube, but some of them are more controlled. Uh, some of them are, relatively speaking, less controlled by the government. Mm -hmm. So for Bilibili, what I heard from my Chinese friends. Uh, seems like relatively speaking easier to upload alternative science information. Mm. Um, so that's why that's where the young people go. And also WeChat, WeChat, it's very similar to WhatsApp, mm -hmm. but with more functions. So people use WeChat to tweet around information. Um, it's a miracle that how much WeChat can do. <laughs> yeah, I um, I do business with a friend from China. We always talk on WeChat. Yeah, WeChat, you know, you can, WeChat is a combination of Skype, WhatsApp, and the PayPal, mm -hmm. plus YouTube. So it's like a combination of everything. Like mm -hmm. Chinese people can't leave without WeChat because then right. you can make a payment when they go out. Everything is electronic right now in China, digital currencies. Mm -hmm. So part of the plan, you know, transform people into digital currencies. Yeah. So uh, you see that's coming. So, yeah. yeah. It's fascinating that you said that there were UFO conferences in China. So the Chinese government isn't against that, I'm guessing. You're right. You see, when, so what happened is when I getting, I got gradually became more and more famous in China. And I was just a simple headed person because I mainly spent my time in Australia. I kind of know what's going on in China. So I said to my Chinese friend, I said, look, it's very strange. Why China doesn't have those conferences, you know, spiritual conference, like it's called the Conscious Life Expo in USA and other country. Why can't we have that? You know, and they say, you have no idea, Xiao. You know, you haven't come back to China for a long time. Those things are not allowed. But I said, come on, guys, we can give that a push. So me and my friends spend, seriously, I can write a book about these tremendous amount of time and energy to make those two conferences happen eventually happened but we faced so many obstacles from the government officials the people within the community that not really wish your best you know not for your best interests just because jealous reason mm. they can just make a call to the local police try to ruin your conference for what because they don't like you to succeed wow like that can't happen in China. And since going, I don't want to, you know, talk about too negative, but the, the positive points I want to make is for that two conferences in Shanghai and Beijing was absolute success um, eventually. So the feedback we've got um, from the audience, like, oh my gosh, you know, the finally make it happen. You know, you have to host those more events. And I told them, Maybe not giving how much effort, financial, you know, support you to put in. It's incredible. 
So the point I want to make is, if you really want to drive it, you could, but it was very dangerous because in those two conferences, you've got undercovers from the police, you know, from the officials, and later on, you know, we being especially me be heavily targeted, sabotaged by the reputation in the CCP official newspaper named me as, you know, alien cult leader. How funny. Mm, wow. And say, damn it, we have a conference. So lucky me, because I had about two conferences. And quickly, the right next day, I flew back to Sydney because I said something quite funny. I was like, I better leave before they catch me, put me in jail. So after that experience, I learned my big life lesson. Don't really be very careful what you do in China. Right. Yeah. I, I was going to ask that, that. You are famous in China, but you're not living there anymore. So you basically fleed oh. China to stay out of jail? They didn't actually say we were put in jail, but in the official newspaper, they say you better don't to never come back to China anymore. Otherwise, you will know the consequences. So I was like, okay. <laughs> wow, that was after you left? They kind of hinted to you that way? Yeah, it was very official, very public. And they also nominated me as the, called the alien cult leader just because I had two conferences in China. Can you believe wow. that shit? I've got, I've got the perfect title for this video. <laughs> Xiao Ma, alien Chinese cult leader here on my video. <laughs> That would be so funny. Yeah, and so. also my my friends, you know, being picked up, you know, like say no. Uh, and not just that, uh, you know, more than 60, those like, it's what you call your platform owners in China being named in the article. So what they do is they really want to shout down the field because they don't want to see you know, the content modality communities to grow in China, because you have to understand in China, everything is related to politics and everything is deliberately controlled mm -hmm. under the regime. So anything you do, like have sky watching event, for example, mm -hmm. go to the local police. Could I have this event? Could I get approval? Could I do this? If it's more than, I don't know, like 30 or 40 people, depending on the province, you know, every province have different rules. So everything's controlled, So which is not very pleasant. Hmm. Wow. So what do you think? They just want everybody to be worker bees over there and keep their mouth shut and do what they're told? That's what I feel like. But having said that, there's some positivities. Even though the official have a very strong control grid in this area, but to be honest, from my communication with the local Chinese people, um, there are substantial population, large population of people are starting to awaken, you know, awakened. That's why the officials are very in fear because if everybody awaken up, you will realize, hang on a second, I don't like that ideology. I don't think it's the right thing or they, they will tend to question um, you know, I don't want to get into too deep about politics. You mm -hmm. can see why the, they don't like this field. And also, I will say our community, regardless in China or in any other country, you know, in Europe, uh, really nailed it to the bottom of the truth. Because we in our community really know who run the show behind the scenes. You know, whether there's a shadow government who actually controls it. Are we really alone in the universe? So our community, that's why, is heavily targeted by 
you know, various government people and this and that. Mm -hmm. um, that's why when I was in China, I'm very cautious about what I can or cannot say. I have to think about it, then say it. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that's the reality at this stage in China. All right. So how did you get into the UFO stuff in the first place? Have you seen a UFO? Were you abducted? Um, Are you really a yeah, leader? You know, <laughs> um, look, I was a very straighty person in the beginning. You know, I graduated from law school, got a nice job, worked for a large law firm in the beginning. And I was really straighty in mind. I want to, you know, be good, be good lawyer, make good money, you know, make my parents proud. You know, typical Asian parents. They just wanted their you know, a daughter and son be a doctor, a lawyer type. So, and one day when I traveled to our Brisbane office and then out of the window side of my office, I've got a funny feeling. I'm not sure if it's a telepathy or not. I feel like I need to look outside of the window. So I looked. What I saw is actually very typical round ball, spear-shaped, silvery color. I would call it UFO just a few hundred meters hovering above the ground, just, just there, not moving. So I stared at things for literally almost half a minute. I was like, that doesn't look like airplane because it's not moving. And it's not very high. You know, it's just a few hundred meters above the ground. And all of a sudden, I've got an idea. I was like, oh, that can be an UFO. That's what people call UFO. And ever since that, you know, I'm a very curious person. I need to do due diligence. I want to do research. So Google, what is these things? I dig and dig and dig. And that's why it's sort of like a awakening call for me, um, entering into the ufology field. And then I watch quite a few channels like yours, like other big YouTubers, you know, um, try to catch up with knowledge. Because that time I try to figure out what that is. And, and then I watched a very famous ufologist called Mary Rodwell. You may have heard about her. She's uh, yeah. amazing. I have had her as a guest. She's an amazing lady. And I said, Mary, I wrote her an email. I was, uh, you know, with no expectation she would respond because she's just very famous, very busy. I said, Mary, this has happened to me. Mary's message is very positive, encouraging. So, shall you have to dig further, look into this topic? You know, someone's like, yes. So that's how I gradually got into the ufology community and things just keep happening. I never plan deliberately anything happening in my life. I just go with flow. And the major breaking point is um, I kind of know a bit more about what's going on because I'm based in Australia. The information is free flow. You know, a lot of spiritual people in Australia. And one day um, a, a quite big platform owner in China so I say, Xiao, I heard about your personal experience with ETs. Would you like to be interviewed? Because in China, no one want to come out. And I say, yeah. And I told my friend, not only I want to come out, make sure this interview is big, but also I want to come out with my real name, real occupation, real address, because I'm going to bloody shock everybody. This is real. I was very bold. So he said, are you sure your life will be in danger? I was like, I don't care. I'm based in Sydney. So we had a first interview and we invited like more than 10 platforms in China to join this interview. So I said, this is my real legal name. This is my real occupation. This is what happened to me. Everybody, you have to believe this thing is real. 
And Jeff, oh my God, the next day, this news just went viral in the community, in the newspapers. Like, oh my God, this is Australian Chinese lawyer claim this alien. They still call abduction, which mm-hmm. I call myself as contactees. Mm-hmm. It's, it's this and that. So, and then after that, I just got interviewed, share my information. And then I opened up um, an email address, like, you know, contact Xiaoma, something like that. So I want to interact with my viewers. I want to see what's going on in China. Surprisingly, sorry, I hope I'm not talking too much. No, not at all. Surprisingly, more than 70% emails that I've got are talking about, you know, not just, you know, validating their experiences, but also they are seeking help. They Mm -hmm. say, oh my God, this happened to me. But a lot of people in China are being spiritually attacked. That makes me feel extremely sad because in China, there are a lot of disclosure movement, you know, like they want to get in the corrigue information. They will call those big names information in China, but there's not much information offering solutions of how to overcome their personal issues. So what if someone being attacked at night time by certain negative beings, how can they handle the situation? They only know what happened to them, but they've got no one to talk to because their parents wouldn't believe them. Secondly, there's no solutions in China at that time. So then I decided, look, I need to focus on that. I need to interview different persons and offer a solution, you know, some experts in this area, like how to overcome these issues. Um, Yeah, that's what I said. And what's interesting, Jeff, is in China, and a lot of people who attended our conferences or even listened to my videos are younger generation, which are quite different compared with the Western world. Because in Sydney, I attended quite a, quite a few like local events. You know, they got UFO associations here, you know, in those states. But when you actually go there in person, you will see around you a lot of people actually are elder generations. I'm not sure if you attend those conferences or not. I actually like, haven't so- been to a UFO conference. Um, not just conference, but also like association events mm-hmm. happen on a monthly basis. Those things I do go to a few years ago, mm-hmm. a lot of them, even during the Saturday time, are older generations. Right. But when we have conference in China, that's the major difference between China and you know other places. Mm-hmm. Massive amount of people are younger generations. Mm-hmm. So that makes me really happy because mm-hmm. what I can see is Chinese are starting to be awakened, especially for the younger generation. So our nations still have a hope. So well, that makes me really proud. Let me see if I have your timeline st- sorted out straight in my own mind. You were in you were in Brisbane, Australia when you had your UFO experience. You weren't in China. Oh, sorry. Were- I was... I was based in Sydney, but I was on a business trip to Brisbane office. Oh, okay, so but you had your experience in Australia, not in China. Yeah. And then yeah. you somebody from China interviewed you with all these other platforms and that just blew up like crazy in China. Yes. And all of a sudden exactly. you're you're the instantly the UFO girl. And then you've actually after that you've you've went to China a couple times for UFO conferences, correct? Yeah, we had two conferences in China. Uh, It's all happened simultaneously at the same time. One's in Shanghai, 
the others in Beijing um, around the end of 2018. And then at what time did they publicly say it would be a good idea if you don't come back? It's the early 2019 January, so one after, month after that. So after those conferences, they were saying, okay, you, we don't want you、yeah. to come back anymore. Oh my god! And also, my friends in the conference, you know, those undercover police, and、mm-hmm. say you come here and said to my friend、mm-hmm. and say, what about this? You know, like、uh, so many things like that. Like、mm-hmm. They 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 not very happy. I reckon the only reason they didn't actually throw me in the jail because during the conference we invited quite a few ufology gurus. They probably don't want to see the diplomatic、uh, foreign affair level, you know.、Right. So they decided not to do anything. And then I was like, the conference are finished, and I was like, I better go back to Australia now. So、yeah. <laughs> wow. straight away, you haven't been back to China since, have you? No, no, not yet. And、uh, given that's COVID nineteen situation, nobody can travel, so I'm pretty chill and relaxed about it.、So. Right, right. Can you tell us of any other major UFO events in China? Yeah,、um, there are quite a few in China, and、uh, the point I want to also make just before getting to the major cases is, China is like the rest of the world. Even though there's lots political suppression, but nevertheless, the number of sightings, the number of cases, the amount of populations being contacted are no less than the Western world.、Mm-hmm. People have to remember that. But you just don't see that much information because of firewall and the suppression.、Right. So the famous cases,、uh, I can name a few. The first one, as I mentioned, from my perspective, is a big case. It's called the Hangzhou Airport case. Hangzhou is actually the second tier city in China. It's a big city, you know,、uh, but second tier, not as big as Beijing and Shanghai, but quite sizable. Um, so one day, somehow around the nighttime, seven eight o'clock, the passengers saw a very cylind, like a huge cigar shape, or even like a not cigar, maybe like a stick shape, super long. According to them, like a few hundred meters long UFO craft, beaming all the lights, literally try to land at the airport. And the authority came in, block one side of the airport because that's where the UFO landed. They sort of push away all the passenger to the other side, give them a takeaway dinner, like oh, just eat away, nothing important to watch. So, and then somehow what I heard is that UFO landed. So、uh, what's happened next is I,、um, I probably don't know too much. Whether they have treaties or whether they just gone, I don't know. I, I, like I would prefer not to say too much because otherwise I will get in trouble again. So that's a big case. Reason being, when the UFO showed up, it was a such.、Uh, they didn't actually go very quietly. They make a huge statement in that city that day. With at the peak time at the airport, so many passengers saw it. Plus. The local residents from different angles, because you may live on that side, she may live on the other side with a different distance. A lot of residents in the local areas have, you know, witnessed that craft, and some of them even took picture of it. And after that incident, it's all over the news in Chinese media. Because mind you, back in two thousand ten, China wasn't that kind of close, so they sort of like. 
close one eye but keep one eye open you know what i mean it's like uh, they don't like what you're talking about that but they are not really trying to suppress you extremely hard not until the recent years so the situation actually tightened after 2018 where it's back in 2010-ish you can still talk about it you know when i came out i was not welcomed but you can still talk about it so you see a little bit of wiggle room you know, in our community to come out, talk about it, share. So that time was okay. So that's a big case because firstly, if thousands of people, Jeff, witnessed the incident, you cannot deny it anymore. I feel like the UFO aliens in that UFO crowd is very smart because they want people to remember this event. And secondly, we don't know what they actually did with the Chinese government. Do they have a treaty? What have they done? I'm not the best person to talk about that in detail, to be honest. Mm -hmm. But that's one of the profound, famous cases in China. Mm -hmm. The second case I want to talk about is it's called a Phoenix Mountain case. The Phoenix Mountain case became so famous uh, because it involved a a Chinese farmer and never believing any UFO stuff. When he went on to, uh, it's called a Phoenix Mountain with his friend. They saw, um, I think he mentioned like egg shape, some kind of craft landed on the top of the mountain and cutting short. And somehow he actually being knocked down by a beam of light, unconscious. And eventually what he alleged is that he had a sort of like a physical interaction with those beings. And what he claimed that he had physical intimacy with the female alien beings. And then they told him that a few years later on their planet, there will be, uh, I think the words is like a, a Chinese hybrid alien beings or something along the line. And this being's dad is a human. So uh, that case really blew up in China because there is not only the UFO sighting, Jeff. The second, there's a physical interaction with beings. The third point is that it involves alien human hybrid children program. Mm. And after that news, you know, became big and everybody wanted to interview him. That Chinese farmer received a tremendous pressure and people tried to debunk him. And you can imagine, not just from the civilian level, but also the government tried to sabotage his reputation, just like what they did to me. It's like, oh, this is nonsense. It's not real. This person's lying. Don't believe this BS, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. But he's a very brave guy. He chose to stick with his ground and say, no, this happened to me. This is real. So uh, that's one of the major cases. Is there a case of a crash in China where they may have collected the UFO? Yeah, I'm happy to send you an article written by another UFO researcher in China. There are quite a few. There are quite a few. I heard, I mean, this is just, uh, you know, what I heard is they retrieved uh, a UFO crash, uh, sorry, a crash UFO in the ocean somewhere near the Chinese sea area. But I don't have much detail besides those a few sentences, a few lines. Another crash UFO incident happened, I think, late 1980s, where one day a guy just, you know, it was a thunderstorm day. Somehow the thunder or lightning strike a like a satellite size UFO dish, a very small, 
nothing more than 1.5 meters shape. It's a very small craft. And the craft actually crashed into the backyard of, I can't recall if it's a military base or not, you know, could be the uh, relatives of the, uh, like the military people in Beijing somehow. And what came out is actually one dead body of an alien. And the other alien, they look like uh, what I've been told, looks like a mix of gray and a mouse-like alien. You know, those like alien look like a, a mouse on Earth with fur mm-hmm. and the whole body shape, the facial feature is like a mouse. So the guy approached the still, you know, severely injured alien beings like, do you need help? He's very brave and he doesn't want to touch him. And he claimed that the being just making alien sounds, some kind of language showing that he want to help, like raising out, like, help me, some kind of like a body language like that. But he just so scared. He doesn't know what to do. And then he just told people in the residential building and then the military came, retrieve the beings, went dead, the other is still alive but severely injured, uh, and, and, and the UFO craft. So I heard a very similar case um, in Chinese website talking about a Chinese farmer encountered uh, as a separate case a mouse like a, you know Mickey Mouse mouse like featured beings, but he claimed that those beings actually are quite loving. They are quite friendly. When he got into the crowd, which is quite small, surrounded with like a loving loving feelings. Uh, but you see that uh, we got all ranges of contacts in China also. Hmm. But sadly, not all of them are publicly reported due to political suppression. Yeah. That's interesting. I've never heard of mouse-like beings, so that's something new. Yeah. Um, from my own contact, I remember when they, I was, I'm not sure if I'm in the lucid dreaming state or not, I kind of see those beings. Um, they are mouse-like beings, very little, not very tall, like I would say 10 years old height, um, fur, a lot of fur on their body, very mouse-like features. I feel like they're actually quite friendly. Are there pictures that, that someone has drew of them on the internet? Yeah, yeah. I wish I can get myself more prepared. I should show you some pictures. I can send it to you later on. Okay. So you can share with viewers. Do you know what crop circles are? And if so, do they happen in China? Interesting. Thank you. Because quite a few Chinese are very fascinated in crop circles research, you know, like investigations. But I haven't heard many cases about crop circles in China. Not that I'm aware of. Because since I got, you know, relatively famous in China, I was quite connected with, you know, this and that person because I want to do some diggings too. What's going on in China side? Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> no, I don't think so. Funny enough, there's not many cases about crop circles you see in China. But I heard crop circles are normally happen in UK. Um, look, I could be wrong. You know, UK is a hotspot, but maybe there are cases happening in China. But you don't hear that many cases in China about crop circles. Very rare. Hmm. Um, every now and then they talk about crop circles in China. I don't well, see many. I don't know if they're still happening here in the U.S., but there were cases of cattle mutilations, but with surgical precision of the cuts. Are there any type of mysterious animal mutilations like that going on in China? Yeah, um, 
there's not many cases reported about cattle mutilation, but there are substantial cases reported in China because everybody got iPhone these days. Everybody can take a photo, upload it into Chinese media platform. Those like genetically mutated stocks, there's so many cases about that. I thought it's fascinating. You know, like one day a Chinese farmer, you know, he just found out the pig, uh, the the infant of, of the pig, you know, they are stocks. The pig may have a two heads or extra leg or with tail or things like that or a cow that can be, looks like a genetically mutated animals. Mm-hmm. And the farmers have no freaking clue what's going on. They may think, oh, you know, it just happened. So out of their curiosity, just take a picture or upload a video on TikTok. So many people look at it, tweet around. So there's not many like, you know, cut the sexual organ on the stock, things like that. But there are a lot of cases in China about, you know, stock genetic mutations, what I can see. But they don't know what's going on when they upload videos. But from my perspective, I know, I'm, oh, my God, that's, you know, genetically mutated animals. Do you think that that's happening spontaneously or do you think somebody's doing that? whether it's researchers Uh, or aliens? I think from my perspective, again, just my view, um, I think it's going to be a mixture of both. But again, the information we've got is just pit of iceberg, Jeff. It's just so little. Nothing beyond just uh, a few clips showing it's genetically mutated beings. Some people may want to climb, oh, come on, you know. Uh, those genetic things can happen every now and then by accident, which is true, you know. But when you have so many cases in China like that, that makes you wonder, mm-hmm. you know, what's going on there. So, yeah, I don't know too much indeed, but I suspect that could be a mixture of aliens doing or could be, you know, human participation in any strange projects, which we don't know. Well, you mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, there are 1.6 billion people in China. Uh, 1.4 billion. 1. But you might right because you have to consider those Chinese in USA, Chinese like me in Australia. Maybe eventually we're talking about 2 billion population Chinese around the world. Who knows? Well, let's just stay, stick with the ones in China, 1.4 billion. And I believe you said that 10% are interested in the UFO phenomena. So that's still 100 million people. Oh, 140 million people. That's half of the U.S. If you took those kind of numbers that are interested. Um, that number is my speculation. Hmm. But what I can see is um, there are strong interests among the younger generation between, you know, like could be a child. Like as a Marilyn one mentioned, a lot of them are like a new humans, uh, like, a, like a in primary school, those up until like 40, 50 years old. So, but less 50, maybe around 40 maximum, a lot of them like a 20, 30 or in school age, mm-hmm. they show a strong interest in not just ufology, spirituality. Mm-hmm. So my estimate could be even more. And the older generation, funny enough, Jeff, they have a different way of approaching this topic. For the younger generation, they may you know, everybody have a different life story. They want to cut in this spirituality, consciousness study through, you know, ufology. That's how they actually found the connection with the prime creator. 
the older generation, they probably go with different content modalities. You know, could be through religion, you know, Buddhism, or could be um, qigong. A lot of older generation love to practice qigong. You know, qigong style. So once they start to practice qigong, they learn, oh, human actually more than just physical being. We have qi energy, and then they got into you know spirituality. That's how everybody have their own way. Of content modalities, eventually all roads lead to this Rome. Rome is consciousness awakening. So, is Qigong and Buddhism still permitted within China? Uh, less Qigong, but more religion like Buddhism is okay. You can see the you know temples around. But what's interesting in the recent years is that for the temples, according to the CCP's regime, they have to set up some kind of it's like. A party office inside, so they try to have a grid into the uh, a temple too. Is that sounds funny to you? You know,、uh, you may have a church or a temple within them. You you have to have like I don't know, liberal party office or something like that. So they try to control the ideologies for sure, even、mm-hmm. on top of religions.、Mm-hmm. Yes,、um, Buddhism are, are quite common in China. Um, but also, mind you, there's a lot of Christian people in China too. Underground Christian churches, you know, they've been heavily targeted at this stage.、Um, but there are a lot of suppressions at this stage. Would you say the average Chinese citizen is like atheist and not spiritual at all, or what would you say the average person is as far as their spirituality is concerned? That's a great question. I think I can break down into two answers, like two parts of my answers. Firstly, when you're through brainwash, like people who really believe in, you know, communism, they normally believe in we are nothing more than material bodies because that's the core of their ideology, you know, put through the brainwash. The second part about religion is there are a lot of people who are religious in China, but I don't think they're spiritual. You have to understand, like, religious people, they can be superstitious. But that doesn't really mean they are spiritual. People go to temple. Maybe they want to get a better marks for the next exam. People go to temple to pray because they want to get a promotion for their job. It's more to me. It's more like a trade. You know, like oh, you know, God, you know, give me protection, give me a promotion, give me this. You know, that's why they go to temple. But they don't understand. Have a religious practice does not equal. To spirituality, they they have to connect. Like they must have a a connection between their spiritual side with the prime creator.、Uh, the definition of that, from my perspective, is broader than any form of religious doctrine. So that would be my answer. Yes, there are a lot of people have religion, but not really spiritual. Uh, people are spiritual, but they don't necessarily have religion in China.、Hmm. Do you think China is primed and ready for a spiritual revolution? My answer would be this: I'm very optimistic at this stage because even though I consciously aware about what's going on in China at this stage, but I want to remind everyone about Edgar Casey's、hmm. um, reading. He said one day. China is going to be the cradle of Christianity, and my interpretation of that word Christianity is not purely referred to the religious term. You know, you have to be a Christian, follow Jesus type. I think he means 
Christianity means the spiritual side of us. So I believe, from the long run, China will be transformed into a very pure spiritual nation. And you know what, Jeff? I believe in the future we may live as happily one family rather than have the concept of nations.、Um, I tend to think that way as a one race. You're a very busy woman here. What else do you got going on that you want us to know about?、Um, there are two parts I want to mention, if you don't mind. One, I just want to add on to the Chinese com- like a community UFO community. What I found really fascinating when I dive into Chinese UFO community is that how the Asian personality traits can affect their contact modalities, their progression of the spiritual awakening. Because in the Western world, you know, when you know they have a dream or contact, you know, experience, what they do is like, oh my God, this happened to me, Jeff. Let's get on the YouTube. Let's talk about it. So you you record it. That's what I see. It's very outspoken information flows. Whereas in Asian country, not just China and Japan too, people very reserved. If they have a profound experience, they want to keep really quiet. They try to figure out inwardly, like what's going on. You know, the email I've got from people. And I said to them, "Look, your experience is fascinating, even more interesting than my experience. Why don't you just come out, come out, talk about it? You know, you don't have to use your real name if you don't like it. Just use your pen name or anything like that." And the answer I've got ninety nine percent time in China is, uh, uh, "No, no, no, thank you. I just want to talk to you privately. You know, give me some guidance or talk about it." So you see, it's a very private thing for them. And、uh, there's a more about learning their experience, you know, by a course online or seven days Kundalini awakening or four days teaching things like that. There's a less, relatively speaking, less like a spiritual journey. You know, you have to involve with your self discovery sort of process. I just wish to see more Asians, not just Chinese. Not just follow, you know, what you need to be taught, what you need to do. You know, people tell you, but figure out things by yourself. You know, have a chat with others. Figure out what's going on in life. There's a there's an element of lack about that, and because of Asians' personality trait traits, I think that's how they've been affected.、Uh, like a good student, you know, sitting in the class. Try to figure out from their teachers, the spiritual gurus, was less about this has happened to me. What do you think, Jeff? You know, should we explore that further? You know, it's that's that's a part I really want to see from all Asians.、Mm-hmm. Um, the last part I want to mention to the viewer is through my contact experience. I want to share with people. Doesn't matter how much you know. So many people I learned on the journey is they just so caught up by those phenomena. You know, the the craft is shape is red or like a, a spear or the cigar shape, the color of the shape, but they don't really focus on inwardly on themselves. Doesn't matter what they know. In the end, the final day, our spiritual evolution. Whether you're going to ascend to the higher level, even higher level, it will be purely based on. What really resonates with you, or what you actually truly learn, transformation is important. We have to change ourselves. One of the lessons I've learned from those beings is they say, 
the big lesson for you, Xiao, is in, you you have to learn how to change yourself. People in our community, a lot of people I have seen in China, they are very stubborn people. They refuse to change. They talk about, oh, I'm going to be the savior of the world, but they don't want to change themselves. I mean, how could you change the world without changing yourself, guys? You have to be real. So the message to everyone is, you have to change yourself, and also focus less on what you need to know. Focus on more on how to improve yourself, do the good things for yourself and for others. That would be my last message. Well, let me ask you this: You just mentioned about、uh, ascending to different levels of spirituality. And is that something that people talk about in China, or is that just something you picked up in Australia? That's something I've been told by the beings. They say at the final end of this cycle of you know humanity, like we go through different cycles.、Mm-hmm. Uh, each soul, like us, will basically have a quantum jump. Like that's how they describe it. To a different level, like different densities, you know, some beings may be more awakened;、mm-hmm. they can ascend quickly. But some being maybe、uh, are doing okay. You know, they 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 are different level of spiritual awakening. That's why we have a different people.、Right. You know, some people are more conscious awakened.、Um, spiritual speaking, their soul are more advanced. Relatively speaking, they are the other souls. So that's the point I want to make. In order to make a huge、uh, spiritual awakening, they really need to improve themselves,、mm-hmm. change themselves, do more rather than、uh, you know just for fun watching the UFO shows. I think I missed something here because I don't remember you telling me that you had contact with beings. Oh, I have a lot of contact with beings. Well, before we go here, can you tell us about <laughs> these contact with beings? Are you saying extraterrestrial beings, or or out of body experience contact, or or what、uh, kind of contact are you saying? Yeah, the the um, I I have a lot of contact with beings. A lot of them, I have full ranges. You know, very positive beings. Some of them are very neutral. I feel very neutral, like business-like. I'm here just do my job, nothing. Just observe what you do. So those are categorize them as very neutral. You know, they they don't do any harm to you, or they don't do any good. They just want to observe and learn human experience. But I would say, eighty to ninety percent of my counter experience are very positive. They are very supportive through my journey. Ten to fifteen percent are very neutral, just observe and learn things. The other five percent are negative. You know, I had enough with those really annoying beings. Try to interfere, do your headings, give you headache.、Uh, there are some negative beings. So I believe we're talking about. I don't like to call them just purely extraterrestrials because those beings are, you know, from the lower to very high density beings. So I call them just beings. Can be ascended masters, can be extraterrestrials with physical body. Some of them are like a semi-lucent. You know, they have bit of body shape, but they are pure light. Or some of them just pure light, nothing else, just ball of light.、Um, the way of contact is through all sorts of contact modalities. Can be,、um, you know, lucid dreaming state. Out of body experience, conscious out of body, where I can stay outside of my body, look at myself, physical body. Oh, that's me, you know, talking to the beings in my room, you know,、um, and、uh, you know, all sorts could be channeling, could be 
you know, just flash of images in your third eye just show you quite a few things. Um, all sorts, yeah, I have contact experiences with all sorts of beings. Were you having contact with these beings before you saw the UFO? Uh, what they actually told me after my kind of awakening or initiation, I call it, after the UFO sighting, they say, you had that contact since you were a child. You know, you just don't remember it. And then I start to have a conscious recall. It's like, yeah, it's actually true. You know, I have a, a flashback memory when I was a child. I, I didn't have that contact. But, you know, that time I was a very 3D person. And I was just brushing them off as a dream, nothing more than just a dream. But now looking back, those are the contact experience happened since birth. But you just don't remember it. Or they, they prefer you not to remember it because some people are so caught up in the phenomenon that they can't function in the daily life. So they would prefer to give you a drip drop information, help you to transition through the period. Now I can see why they call you the cult leader. Into this stuff. <laughs> no, look, I'm a very 16 person. People can make a fun of me. That's okay. Jeff, you know, it's a, it's a very, it's a tough, uh, it's a tough journey for me. Mm-hmm. I ask them, you know, I have a lot of, you know, even though I make a fun of it right now, yeah. but the, through the whole process to be, the so-called alien cult leader in China, um, you will res- get a lot of backlashes. You know, a, yeah. it's a very tough road. But I said to them, gosh, why am I Chinese? I can have an easier life, you know, be a billy dancer from Hawaii or something like that, you know, have an easy life. But, you know, every time when I ask them, they say there's a reason why you incarnate as a Chinese in this lifetime. But they never told me. They just say there's a reason for you to discover. So I guess my higher self chose uh, a tough journey for me in this lifetime. And I won't let the viewer know that. Don't just, oh, Chinese, you know, don't believe those major media. They try to paint Chinese in such a way. Because I can tell you a lot of Chinese in China, they are very friendly towards Americans and other uh, Western people. It's just the news. Yeah. You know, you watch CNNews, they always try to divide us. Yeah. You know, people in China, they work from nine to five, they go to supermarket, all they care is should they get a slim milk or full cream milk, which Netflix, what do they know? Not not Netflix, you know, like Chinese Netflix type. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, those American products, great, this and that. They're not really into want to do some bad things to our brothers and sisters in America. It's just the news that try to portray us such a, you know, evil communist, you know, those, those people. So uh, I try to not to buy into these things. Yeah. I think basically humans are the same all over the planet. They want to have a happy life. They want to have a family and, you know, yeah, they want to. And And I want to thank you, Jeff, and also other YouTubers for releasing those interviews. So that's how the Chinese, my Chinese friends, can learn uh, or explore more on their journeys. Hmm. Because of this information from the Western country, they can put a subtitle underneath and move to China. People can watch, relate to themselves. Oh, this happened to this person. Oh, that happened to me. Oh, that's how she resolved that issue. So they can learn what to do or what not to do 
in their spiritual journeys. Mm. Because since the information in China, we are so desperate for the information from the Western countries. Um, I don't think at the civilian level, there's that much you know, tension between us. I really don't see that. Mm. A lot of time in our Chinese community, we'll say, oh my God, that's a great interview Jeff did about this person, that person. I love it, love it. You see a lot of very positivity amount, but when you read like CNN or Chinese communist news, they just make it very negative, but it's actually not the case. Right. Do you ever see orbs? I do. Um, not very often, but there are quite a few occasions. Just mm. my friends use special cameras. Mm. They take a picture of me. They they caught all those orbs flying around me, mm. and probably you too. I thought that's quite fascinating. Well, I've never seen him around me, but during our podcast, and I don't, I've seen a couple things flying around you, and I don't think it was with the green screen or whatever. And I was wondering, well, hmm, that that you know, one went right in front of you. Small would probably be, you know, very very small, but. I don't think yeah. it could have been with the green screen. I don't know why this flash came across you, but when you, thank you. when you watch it, look out for that. Yeah, thank you. I will. I mean, those beings are very curious about my interview. They want to check what Xiao said about us. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Xiao. Well, I'm running out of time. So before we finish, do you have one last positive message that you can share with everybody? Yes, I firstly, I really want to thank you, Jeff, and your past interviewers, and that gave me a tremendous information. The last positive message I want to share is, I know we're going through the darkest period on this planet now, but there's one message I want to share with everyone. That's the message I've got from the alien beings, from the very positive race. They said to me very clearly, they said, Xiao, you have to believe there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And the picture I saw on the spaceship is we are just about to exit this tunnel. The light is so close at us. So have a face. If you go through a very tough journey right now, have a face. In the end, a worse it, a really worse it. So just, just hold on to your face, everyone. I know it's very tough right now, but some people going through a really tough journey right now, they may lose their job may have a divorce, may have this and that, health reasons. But I can assure you in the end, we are going to make it. We're just so close. Just hold on to your face. We are going to make it. Thank you. Well, that's a great message. Xiao, thank you so much for being my guest. I really appreciate you. I wish you the best. And before we go, uh, do you have a website or anything else that people want to look up, you know, want to contact you or look into any of your information? Yeah, sure. Just the uh, Facebook, just check me and Xiao Ma. Mm-hmm. So my name is S-H-A-O space Ma. Mm-hmm. When you search me, you can find me through Facebook. I'll add you all. And uh, if you've got anything you want to talk, you can email me. Same as my name is Xiao.ma at hotmail.com. So yeah, Jeff, I'm going to send you quite a few contacts for your consideration later on regarding, you know, the future interviews so yeah all right well thank you so much and i guess it's morning over there so um enjoy the rest of your day thank you for having me jeff you're wonderful thank you thanks everyone bye-bye bye thanks for watching the jeff mara podcast
I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.